Twyla Brace of Citizens Council for Health Freedom will be at Guardians of Liberty, formerly known as We the People, on February 13th. And looking ahead to February 20th, come see a free showing of Let My People Go, a documentary from Professor David Clements. Free the J6 prisoners end rigged elections. And remember, Guardians of Liberty meets every Tuesday, 5 o'clock p.m. at Delmonico's in Jackson. Listen, if you've ever owned a car, you know that a car has to be maintained and every once in a while, it needs a little extra something. And when that happens, you wanna be able to take it to someone you trust. DL Transmissions offers a free transmission inspection, just like the owner Daryl's dad, Ben Legrand did back in 1953. Now, Daryl is proud to continue his father's tradition by offering his honest expert knowledge at, I said it, no charge. DL Transmissions continues to be a heartland tradition for quality transmission repair you can depend on. Pick up the phone and call them at 573-334-8726. Are you still tied to Google and Safari? Have you not yet tried the Luxel search engine? You got to give it a try. Why? Because among other things, you get uncensored results, you get an unbiased search engine, and you even get to filter your options based on your political preferences. A lot of people I know are gravitating to Luxel. You need to check it out also. That's L-U-X-X-L-E.com. Hello and welcome to the Adrian Ross Show and what a show I have for you today. I have two guests who are about to join us, co-founders of African American Conservatives, also known as ACONs, and we are going to take a deep dive. I need you to keep your mind open because yes, we're going to go there. Be ready. So here we go. I am honored to have on the show the co-founders of African American Conservatives, also known as ACONS. ACONS is a force in the conservative movement. They get to talk to well-known, respected conservative voices from all over, and they've made and are making their mark in the political and cultural debate. So this is an honor to have, uh, to have them uh, here with me. Maria is no stranger. So if you've been hanging out with the Adrian Ross show for a while, you've seen her, I don't know, Marie, two or three times. Yeah. 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 About two or three times. Uh, but DK has, uh, has never been on the show. So let me tell you a little bit about each of them before we dig in. When I say dig in, I mean, <laughs> we're about to dig into some stuff. <laughs> okay. So Marie Strada's foray into political activism began around the dinner table as she deconstructed the day's news cycle with her husband and three homeschooled children. She is one of the founding members of African-American conservatives, ACONS, and is the host of its critically acclaimed podcast. Marie has served as a communications and social media guru for a number of statewide and national campaigns, ranging from senatorial to presidential. In 2019, Ms. Strada was appointed to be a national advisory board member and surrogate for Black Voices for Trump. She currently serves on the America First National Engagement Council, an arm of the America First Policy Institute. 
The former digital comms director for the Republican Party of Texas, Marie currently serves as the communications director for the Bell County Republican Party and digital communications director for Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Please forgive me for fudging your name, Mr. West. And so uh, that's that's Marie and DK. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm I'm looking at your bio and <laughs> women have more words than than men. DK kept He's it pithy. Really He's pithy. <laughs> yeah, he kept it really simple. DK is a co-founder, producer, and blogger for African American Conservatives, and he is a native and current New Jerseyite. All right. So welcome, DK Emery, to the Adrian Ross Show. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. We're going to dig into some stuff, some deep stuff in a moment. But before we do, I really want the audience to know about YouTube, to know about ACONS. So how did African-American conservatives come to be? Well, I always say that I, it started with me arguing with Marie over Twitter, and we've been arguing ever since. Yes. Really? That is the <laughs> truth. How, yeah. What were you arguing about? Homeschooling. Um, it was homeschooling. Mark Lamont Hill <clears throat> uh, had said something about homeschoolers being awkward and all this kind of stuff. And I took exception. Um, and DK seemed to uh, have some issues with homeschooling. Uh, and so we kind of went back and forth. But the it, it all kind of came to a head in 2009, which is when... Um, Acons began because people kept coming to us and congratulating us on our president as though shared uh, skin color meant shared ideology. Mm -hmm. And so I was reaching out to people on Twitter, now X, to find out, you know, are you getting some of this? Are, are you hearing this too? And DK was one of the people. Uh, and so I said, you know, we really should have kind of our own place on the web. Where we talk about some of this stuff um and he was like yeah we should i'm like so do you want to build a website or do you want me to do it wow. uh, and dk is uh <clears throat> not very techy so his answer was hey you do it why don't you go ahead and do it mm. uh, and so that's how acons came to be born really yeah, it wasn't you know? homeschooling i think it was more school choice um and how it should be paid for i think that was the big debate at the time and so far, she hasn't conceded that I was that I'm right. So no, you didn't start something called homeschoolers or school choice or anything. You started African American conservatives. So how does that conversation lead to something where the focus is obviously African American conservatives? Well, well during that time, it was so much uh, focus on the Obama uh, campaign and and. I think I don't think either one of us had a, a personal issue with Obama, but we're we're both conservatives. We we believe in um, our conservative ideals. I remember the first one of the first tweets I got from Marie was that how can I handle uh, there being a black presidential candidate that I'm not supporting? And I I remember answering that you know I believe in uh, certain conservative values. You know they're they're basically the same as hers. You know we're pro life. Mm -hmm. strong borders, low taxes, the usual litany of conservative views. And that's what we used to talk about. That's what we used to write about. And we brought up, um, uh, started bringing in several guests who supported those views. So, mm -hmm. so it became much more about race 
to us, but at the same time, we wanted to emphasize that we were, that we are African-Americans because we believe that conservatism is a great benefit to the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And there should be more African-American voices to pr- promote that message. For the Black community, you know, incarceration rates are disproportionate. Uh, foster care rates are disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Abortion is disproportionate. I mm-hmm. mean, these are issues that hit this community. And under Barack Obama, when he became president, some of those came out in sharp contrast. Mm -hmm. And so DK and I felt like we need a place where we can talk about some of these things. I mean, the whole block can be on fire, but the house where the fire starts, that's the house that you need to worry about. And Mm -hmm. so we felt like those were the conversations that we wanted to have and deconstruct. And DK, were you well-received? Were you were, were African? When I say that, I mean Acons. What you're about was were you well con- uh, received in the conservative movement? I'll say generally yes. There has been some pushback against the name that kind of surprised me. I didn't expect to see letters saying that we weren't allowed to call ourselves African American, that we should be Black Americans or just Americans, or some even su- suggested that we should stick to Negroes. But <laughs> what? Yeah, there was strange letters. We sometimes still get them. Because it's like, well, we're all Americans. You know, it's funny because on St. Patrick's Day, isn't everyone Irish? And I actually am part Irish. My grandmother's grandmother was from Ireland. Mm -hmm. You know, on Cinco de Mayo, isn't everybody Hispanic? You know, it's those kinds of things. We we do self-segregate into groups. You know, there are groups for different medical conditions. There are groups for whatever region you come from. I mean, California and Texas, you know, wherever you're from, you're a Texan. I mean, is that exclusion? Well, maybe we're a little exclusionary here in Texas because we're kind of no, inordinately no, sure. proud, you know, sure like, you, you know, but but Christian, you know, we, we all have these different designations. But on the other side, I mean, but- there has been a lot of positive with being an African-American conservative that has attracted a lot of people, attracted mm-hmm. a lot of guests who don't yeah. often speak to, uh, you know, African-Americans at all, uh, much less African-American conservatives. They might uh, expect us to all attack them like Joy Reid or, or something like that. So Who was a guest on the show once, <laughs> by the way? Really? I'm 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 about to take a a side because mm-hmm. there's so much on the table, and I we're going to transition into all the drama surrounding Martin Luther King from conservative Charlie Kirk, and also comments from Matt Walsh um, of the Daily of the Daily Wire. And there's also some comments about Black History Month. This is February. It's Black History Month. And we'll get into that. I've got so much. I got to say, I want the audience to understand. I have not, we have not touched base at all about where we stand on any of these issues. So they could totally put me in my place. I wouldn't even know. I don't know where they're coming from. I wanted a real conversation and I didn't want to have, I don't want a conference ahead of time. Okay. This is about being real. Maria and I have talked before in uh, that in the black community, it's sometimes difficult to talk about the things that we need to talk about because yeah. it's hard for people to be real. You know, what's done in the house, stays in the house. I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I have a feeling it's going to be deep. So let me just give a little bit of background. Last week, I did an episode that I titled 
dear white conservatives with a platform, okay? Now, over on YouTube, there have been comments, some positive and some just taking it to me. Here's the thing about those taking it to me. Most of them did not watch the episode. They saw the title, they flipped out, okay? And so I actually had to take some people, you know, to the woodshed and, you know, don't tell me I don't like what you had to say. I don't like your title. Don't be lazy. How about you watch the episode and then come to me and tell me, you know, we can have, we can disagree, you know, but I mean, I had comments like dear blackity black, black, mm-hmm. you know, and someone wrote dear black conservative, dear black Democrat. And I have to wonder why did she assume that I was a Democrat? And I asked her, if she was mature enough to come back and answer that question. I think I already know the answer, you know? Um, I had one guy, he was really going at me back and forth, back and forth. I'm tired of this, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, why don't you watch the episode? This guy, and I respect, he ended up, and last message from him was, I totally misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I apologize. And so I, I, you know, I had put an update. Don't comment unless you watch. Somebody, I'm a grifter, I'm this... Here's the thing. This is a sensitive issue right now. The whole race issue. I, But my point of my episode last week was I. there's a lot going on with Charlie Kirk and, you know, wanting to come after Martin Luther King and people making comments about Black History Month. And I understand because I've been on a journey myself. But some of these people, they talk about wanting the Republican Party to not be seen as the racist party, which it has been, let's just be honest. And so you can say what you want, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's wisdom in what you're saying. At least that was the point that I was trying to make. So I wanna jump to Charlie Kirk. And in December in a speech, Charlie Kirk said, MLK was awful. He's not a good person. He said one good thing he actually didn't believe. And then on Martin Luther King Day, he tweeted because Mm -hmm. what would we do if we didn't get a chance to get on Twitter, you know, and and do some of the things that, that we do. So his first tweet of January 15th about this was, who was MLK? A myth has been created and it has grown totally out of control. While he was alive, most people disliked him. Yet today, he is the most honored, worshipped, even deified person of the 20th century. Today, we are going to tell the truth and explain how this myth was born. Happy Monday. Not happy Martin Luther King Day. Happy Monday. That wasn't lost on me. So then, obviously, if you tweet that, people are going to get wild up. He then tweeted, I haven't even done my show yet on MLK Jr. And already it's clear to me that I have found the sacred cow of modern America. Ask yourself, why is exposing the flaws of MLK's life and character, something he said we should judge others by, so controversial? Has America become more colorblind and merit-based the more we have worshiped King? 
Now, for the first time, I'm going to open, I'm going to have this conversation with you. What do you say about what Charlie Kirk purposely chose to unfold on MLK Day and what he's saying? Who wants to take it first? What are you thinking? Well, I'll tell you something that happened when I was tapped to serve on Black Voices for Trump. I heard, you know, well, Trump's a bad guy and he's terrible and he's a serial adulterer and he's this and that and that. And I was kind of like, I am not in the market for a savior. I have one of those already. That job is taken. Mm. So, you know, all of this stuff about human beings who are imperfect people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what this world is made up of. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand the animus that some people have. And I've seen um, the people who are black, people who are white, go after some of these uh, people that we hold in esteem. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that, that I would pose to Charlie Kirk. Um, you know, all of these events happen in time. Mm -hmm. That was a very difficult and complicated time in our history. And Charlie Kirk and others like him have the luxury of being an armchair quarterback looking back in history, not actually living it at the time, having to make the choices that people made. And I don't think that the way that you go about getting people to listen to your opinion is to denigrate and, um, drag other people down. I mean, we hear that about Black History Month all the time. Well, when are we going to have White History Month? When is it White History Month? I mean, why do you have to make everything this competition? Why can't you say there's someone I admire because of something that they did? Mm. But we have to make it this big competition. Well, you've got a month, so now I need a month. Well, you've got this, so I, now I need that. Um, mm. That was the whole civil rights movement was that, you know, some people enjoyed rights while other people did not. Mm. So like you said last week, you have free speech. You believe in free speech. I believe in free speech. Charlie Kirk and Matt Walsh and all the rest of them have the right to free speech. But guess what? So do I and so do you. And that's why we've been taking people to the woodshed, because mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a good look. If you look at the optics of it. Mm -hmm. To say that someone who is, yeah, maybe he is venerated in the Black community. Mm -hmm. Take somebody like that and then talk about them in the way that they did. Do mm. you really think that's going to make me say, oh, wow, Charlie Kirk, that's some new information I didn't have. You're so right. You're so right. You know, I mean, that's just crazy. Mm. So why okay. not say, I have some issues mm -hmm. with his character or his whatever, whatever, um, but again, realizing that we are all human beings and everything that you say about somebody else, you know, what they say about casting stones from, uh, in a glass tower. Yeah. You don't want people looking too close to your life. Mm. I think you want to have grace mm, and grace, you know, all right, DK, what are your thoughts about Charlie Kirk? Well, my belief about Martin Luther King is, uh, is basically that Martin Luther King was a great man. The, the positive impact he had on this country is staggering uh, in terms of uh, civil rights especially, and also in terms of uh, workers' rights and so forth. Mm -hmm. He and I are very different, you know, in terms of um, economic policy. He's much further to the left than I am, although 
given the time that he lived, I, I'm sympathetic to his economic uh, philosophy. Um, and nothing Charlie Kirk could mention about King really offsets that. I mean, perhaps he was adulterous in his personal life. Perhaps he plagiarized on paper when he was in grad school. Uh, if you're comparing apples and oranges, I mean, this is a guy who stood up and, and gave his life to to fight discrimination against his people, which is not something you could say about most people, you know. Mm. He um he knew that he would die for his uh beliefs and he, he went for it with them anyway. That's not something um Charlie Kirk would ever do. And to, to get to the point you would you were uh referencing in your video, you have to wonder what's the motivation behind going after Martin Luther King. Why is it so important to remind people of his personal flaws when his uh, public successes have been so overwhelming? Mm -hmm. Is it to push Blacks away from the Republican Party to to um, to give white people uh, some sort of animus toward uh, the Black Pride movement? Would you so not say, would you not say that that there's a responsibility for people like Charlie Kirk with a platform to put the truth out there. No, I'm, I'm more than happy to have him say whatever he wants to say about King, but I just wondering like you did, what's the motivation behind it is like on the other side of the coin, why do people want to emphasize the, the flaws of the America's founders to the degree that they do. Uh, we know that a, a great number of them were slave owners, mm -hmm. despite um, despite them being publicly uh, anti-slavery. Mm -hmm. uh, we know a lot of them, a lot of great men throughout history have been adulterers. Um, you, if you're gonna focus on that, it's a reasonable question to wonder why, you know, when yeah when they've done so many other things well marie were you a person who followed kirk of you know had great respect for him or surprised by this i don't like to say unkind things about people that's one of the reasons why um i think acons has kind of flown under the radar is that we are not controversial mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. um but Matt Walsh lost me a long time ago with some of the things that he said, because it's just off-putting. It, it's just like um, saying things just to to raise the ire of other people. I don't know what his motivation and is. And I, I, I want you to hold and that thought. And it's the same with, with, with yeah. Charlie Kirk. Okay. I want you to hold that thought on, on Matt Walsh, because we're going to, we're definitely going to, going to step into to Matt Walsh. But first I want to go to, um, the audio of Charlie Kirk when he he said, I haven't even given my, done my show yet and already people are, well, this is how he did start his show. So um, let's take a look or listen to a little bit of what he said. Now today, of course, we're talking about his Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We told people last week that we planned to talk about MLK Day today. In fact, truthfully, I was planning maybe a five-minute segment. I'm like, okay, it's Iowa Caucus Day, little thing here, move on. However, the media got wind of it because they watch everything we say on this program, every syllable, and they made a huge deal about it, went totally viral. 
And they flipped out, and they basically wrote a Greta Thunberg story. How dare you? How dare you? Wait a second, I didn't even know what we're going to say. And based on the sheer volume of that response, it's been syndicated across the Internet. Now, MLK has become a lot more than a man. MLK has become a myth. MLK is a quasi-religious figure. MLK is the demigod of the 20th century. Did you know in a 2011 Gallup poll, MLK's approval rating was 96%. That same year, Jesus Christ only had a 90% approval rating. So in 2011, MLK was six points more popular than Jesus Christ. MLK is without a doubt the most respected, revered, honored, and even worshipped person of the 20th century. He is, by a million miles, the most untouchable figure of the 20th century. Teachers read kids' books about MLK's life to their students in kindergarten, kindergarten or first grade. It's some of the first education, history, and civics that kids get. And take a pause for a second. Think about all the giants that lived in the 20th century. Churchill, Eisenhower, MacArthur, Einstein, Rockefeller, Billy Graham. None of them are even remotely as honored as MLK. So what did MLK do to get this honor? Why does he have just one of four federal holidays honoring one specific person? Why does he have a massive monument on the mall in our national capital? A county named after him in Seattle. A street in almost every single city. Why did a group of theologians in 1979 propose adding a letter from the Birmingham jail to the New Testament of the Bible? We don't get that kind of treatment for ordinary human accomplishments. You get that kind of treatment for being a symbol. For most Americans, and especially most conservative Americans, MLK is the symbol of seeking a colorblind society and doing it in a nonviolent way. That's understandably a very appealing idea. A nonviolent Christian who wants a colorblind America. That is something that should resonate with you. In fact, the myth of MLK is far more appealing than the reality of MLK. He is a Moses-type figure who delivered black Americans from segregation and Jim Crow and birthed the new America. But is that how we should think about this day? Well, joining us now is a terrific American, and we're going to get into it. So buckle up for the thought crimes. It's Vince Everett Ellenson, one of my favorite guests. Okay. I, I, I want your initial reaction. Well, I know that guy, uh, Vince Everett Ellison. He's, he was scheduled to be on our show once. I've read one of his books. He's virulently anti-Martin Luther King, mostly for economic reasons. And, and like I said, even though I'm a conservative myself, in terms, especially in terms of economic policy, I don't think Ellison got that Martin Luther King grew up a t during a time where Black people were not allowed to be fully educated that they were routinely discriminated against in the workplace. Um, I'll just make up numbers. A white person will be paid significantly more than a black person doing the same jobs. So of course, um, Martin Luther King pushed for economic equality. Equality, you know, if you if you're facing somebody who's been underpaid because of the color of their skin, what else can you push for? And mm -hmm. and, and I think in the eyes of a lot of modern black conservatives that that made Martin Luther King a socialist. And and uh, and in, indeed he was a socialist degree, but a socialist for for a reason. Um, and like, because, you know, there was economic discrimination during that time. And how else do you counter that? But, but does he, and Marie, you can jump in, does he deserve 
a federal holiday. Yes. This is what Kirk is railing yes. Well, Charlie Kirk doesn't, but Martin Luther King does. I mean, here's the thing to think about. Think about what life was like then. Because mm -hmm. you couldn't go to the bathroom when you wanted to. I mean, if you were on the road, what was it, the 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 green book? You know, mm -hmm. you could only stop in certain places after sundown. I mean, these are draconian uh, rules to live under. I mean, none of us would survive, I think, a day or two under those kinds of rules. And yet you have someone like Charlie Kirk, who is denigrating somebody who had to live under those rules. So, yes, I mean, he believed in nonviolence. He lived what he believed to a public degree. Mm -hmm. And we now have the civil rights movement. He organized people. And, you know, you can say all you want about, you know, the internal factions and, you know, all the stuff with Malcolm X and all of those kinds of things. These were all people who were living under a society that 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 harbored some pretty awful, you know, things. And people were doing the best that they could to bring about change. And people had different ideas about how to accomplish that. None of us lived under, well, I'm not going to say that. I actually did live under it for three months. I was born in April of 64. It went into law in July of 64. But still, you know, to, to have those types of things, none of us can imagine what that was like. And right. so, again, the luxury of being an armchair quarterback, I think we do owe it to people like Martin Luther King Jr., who lived that life and helped us to achieve what we now have. And the fact that we're even having this conversation, do we really have it? I mean, mm. the fact that 50 years later, we're still yeah. having this conversation. Well, so I, it seems later. to me, it seems yeah. to me that things have escalated. Um, we've gone backwards yeah. rather than forward. And, and I would say even in the last 15 years or so, it's gotten it's gotten worse. You would think with the, you know, first black president, it would, you know, but it's gotten, it's gotten worse. Now I understand. And I said this in my podcast, I do understand there's a sensitivity because there are a lot of white people who are being accused of being racist, you know, for just silly stuff, you right. know? And so people are sensitive and they're like, I'm just tired of talking about this, but I got to say this, one of the things Charlie Kirk says, and you can correct me, but I, cause I want to know what you think. He says that that Dr. King pushed for a colorblind, a colorblind society, and that people would be judged by their, you know, their character, but his character doesn't stand up to the test. I don't, I don't think Dr. King was pushing for a colorblind society. I, I think there's a difference between not wanting to see color and not wanting to be judged by the color of your skin. And but, I think that's the problem that Acons has suffered with is that everybody thinks that we should be colorblind. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. For example, I'll give you a really concrete example. What happens every single solid weekend in Chicago? The fact oh. that we are killing each other in droves and nothing happens. We've got pro Hamas people out there, you know, talking about, oh, the right to this and the right to that, blah, blah, blah. But we have people that are killing each other every weekend. And, you know, you hear uh, when you talk about uh, unarmed black men who've been killed or whatever, well, well, what about black on black crime? And all of this kind of goofiness that, that, that people 
get into. And I don't think that we are talking about a colorblind society. We're talking about issues that hit certain communities harder than other communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's okay to do that. I think it's okay. The fact that Tim Scott talked about the, the uh, first steps act and those kinds of things, because incarceration rates are disproportionately against black men. I don't think that that's any kind of a newsflash for anybody. And I think that we can talk about those things. So when we get into this whole kind of concept of color blindness, yeah. it's not that I don't see that you are black. I can't help but see that you are exactly. black. It's about how do I treat you? Right. I treat and if that's you like all a human you see, being. Exactly. Yeah, is, is that all you see? I don't, honestly, I'm not looking to act like color doesn't exist. I mean, there's a God and he's so creative. Yes. And this is how he, you know, we can celebrate those things, which brings us to, to something else shortly. All right, let's switch over to Matt Walsh. Okay, because he, he sent out um a few tweets, I guess, trying to help out Charlie Kirk on Martin Luther King Day. One of his tweets says, I know a lot of you want to play by a rule that says every white historical figure must be reassessed while every non-white historical figure remains canonized. But what you don't understand is that we do not recognize these arbitrary rules anymore. They've gone out the window. One standard and one standard only. And then who, he said- Who is yeah. this royal we, uh, Matt Walsh? We, we, we. who? Uh, yeah, well, I think- I think he made it clear that, I mean, I think Charlie Kirk is more focused in on, you know, this uh, Dr. King is a, is a, a God to the left. You know, I, I think Matt Walsh made it a black and white issue for sure. Um, not to say that it wasn't for Charlie Kirk, but he wasn't as blatant, yeah. you know? So Matt Walsh then said, a lot of people are upset about the criticisms of MLK Jr. today, but these floodgates opened a long time ago. Our historical, our historical heroes have been torn down. We've been told to focus on their sins and shortcomings. Columbus has been labeled a genocidal killer. Jefferson was nothing but a slaveholder, etc. Well, if this is the standard, then we have to talk about the fact that MLK was a communist, a plagiarist, an adulterer, an abuser, allegedly a rapist, and more. If you don't want to hear about this, you should have spoken up louder in defense of men like Columbus, but you didn't. So here we are. One standard for all, like it or not. And Charlie Kirk retweeted that. So then he tweets, what is your alternative to just continue with the current strategy of focusing exclusively on the sins of every white historical figure while pretending that men like MLK had no sins at all? That's not tenable. It's not honest. One way or another, we need to have one coherent cultural approach to our historical heroes. The double standard BS has to end. And if holding MLK to the standard we hold Columbus to upsets you or makes you uncomfortable, well then, that should tell you something. The floor is open. Who wants at it? DK? Well, first, let me point out how ridiculous it is to draw some sort of equation between <laughs> plagiarizing a, a grad student paper and being a slimmer or promoting suicide. So it, it's not one standard. They, they, they're going for a very um, very definite double standard. Uh, the second thing is, is that they're, they're not 
as I was mentioning before, and I want to personalize it this time, did not understand King's contribution in the context of the time that he lived. Mm -hmm. And by personalizing it, I want to talk about the stories I heard at my father's knee when he was still with us. He used to talk about growing up in the South during that time. He told me about being um, being forced to walk on the street when he saw a white man coming down the road on the sidewalk. He told me about working at, uh, I think it was a Woolworth in Florida and not being allowed to eat at the same uh, counter as uh, the white customers that he had to eat in the back with the, with the other black employees. He, he knows, he told me about not being able to vote. He told me how dangerous it was to interact with white people, especially white women, because the wrong look could get you killed, literally. Um, this, he told me about when, when you were working as a black man during that time, it was a given that you would not be paid the same as a white man. And this is just simple uh, realities that um, people like Charlie Kirk and Matt Watch are not acknowledging. Um, it's not about saying that everything King did was purest virgin snow or, you know, he has his flaws as a person. And I have no problem with acknowledging it, but don't try to make it the same as somebody who owned slavery or committed genocide against your know, native people. And, mm -hmm. and don't pretend that he didn't, he, that King did not exist at a, the time that he did. It's because of people like King, but especially, especially King himself, that so many African-Americans have the rights that they enjoy today, you know, We've been the president. We have black billionaires. We have um, we have a reasonable. Most importantly, we have a reasonable expectation of equality when we apply for a job that we're not going to be underpaid because of the color of our skin. That's largely because of King. We expect to be able to vote without discrimination. That's largely because of King. Mm -hmm. uh, and we respect to own property. You know, if you want to buy a house, regardless of the neighborhood, if you can afford it. We're, we expect to be able to buy that house. Again, that's largely because of King. Well, so. but but Matt Walsh is saying, is a tit for tat, I hear. You know, if you're gonna come after, if you're gonna come after white folks, then you had a, he said that's, it's off the table now. We're not, we're not playing the game anymore. It's like, this is war kind of concept. Marie, you had mentioned Walsh uh, before and then I cut you off to wait till this moment. What are your thoughts about him? And what he's saying here? He had said something, and I can't remember, because he's kind of always saying something, and it kind of stirs the pot. And I, I don't know what his motive is. I don't know Matt Walsh. But here's the thing. There are some people who enjoy stirring that pot, mm -hmm. and it makes them relevant in their minds. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I have talked about this a number of times. There are certain personalities that just thrive on controversy. There are so many things within the conservative movement that we all agree on that we could be talking about to yeah. elevate conservative principles. It's like DK talked about earlier when he said, you know, we believe we are pro-life. We believe in low taxes. We believe in, you know, limited government, all of those kinds of things. You and I and DK and Charlie Kirk and uh, Matt Walsh could probably get in a room and agree on all those things. You know, why do we have to talk about all this other stuff? Why do we have to get into these weeds about 
denigrating people, which is only going to serve to factionalize us. It's a small enough community already. We're dealing with the soul of our nation. This is an election year. Why are we not bringing people together? Why are we factionalizing people? Because there are some people who will turn away and just like, you know what? I'm done with these people. But like I said, what does that say about you as a person that you would denigrate somebody that you know? I mean, it's 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 kind of what DK and I have struggled with because we have this, the same things about Black History Month and all of those kinds of things. You're going after somebody that a lot of people, wasn't it they said something like in the 60s, you could see a picture of uh, MLK and, and JFK, everybody, every Black person's house or something like that. I mean, that was a specific era of time where there were some things going on in the world. Right. And so you don't want to do that. You have the luxury of looking back with perfect hindsight at, you know, a moment in time. But, you know, like DK, I've heard stories too. My in-laws talked about what it was like traveling at that time. Uh, you know, and as I said, you know, having to 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 hold your urine because, you know, you were in a certain place after dark and, you know, there weren't any bathrooms open or or those kinds those were horrendous things. Yeah. And, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so for someone to, to to be able to talk about someone who ushered in civil rights, mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody had to do it, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, there's nobody perfect. Jesus is, is gone now. He's alive in heaven, but he's mm -hmm. not on this earth anymore. So yeah. it's imperfect people that are being used to carry right. out things every sure. single yeah. day. And Charlie Kirk should know that because he's all up, uh, about Trump. And we know that, you know, that he's not, you know, without flaw, you know. And as, neither as is no Charlie Kirk. No one. Neither right? am I. Right. No, no nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Let's let me transition uh, to Black History Month. DK, what are your thoughts about Black History Month? I'm on full support of Black History Month. Um, I think the only pushback against it has been against has been from, you know, so-called white conservatives who like to pretend that they're not equally as proud of their own ethnicity as uh, Black people are. You know, I grew up, I not grew up, but I lived in New York for a number of years. And like Marie alluded to, every weekend there was a different ethnic parade. There was an Irish parade, there was a Russian parade, there was a German parade. But when there was a, some sort of Black event, you heard the comment, why Why does it have to be yeah. black, have to be a black pride? Um, why does it have to be a black pride parade? You know, why can't there be a white pride parade? And my reaction is always, there's a white pride parade like three times a month, you know? <laughs> it's just that a certain, it's, it's, they just don't say white, they say Italian or, you know, right. Polish or and so forth. So. But it's the same thing, and it's nothing wrong with being proud of your ethnicity. Why can't we just celebrate everyone? Exactly. I when I started when I started teaching, I get I remember students said to me, "Oh my goodness, we have a black teacher. Are we now going to be able to do Black History Month?" You know, and because they, you know, they've had teachers say to them, "I don't have time for that." When they've asked, and that's about as bad as what Charlie Kirk is doing. It's how you say what you say. Maybe it's not in the curriculum you've been handed. Maybe you should say that. You don't tell these kids, I don't have time for you. You know, 
So um, TJ Moe, former NFL player, Christian, conservative commentator, often on Jason Whitlock's uh, podcast uh, on The Blaze, he said, Black History Month should not exist. Black history is American history. The story of Black leaders who have helped forge the American path should be told in the everyday school history books. If there are omissions, we should fix that, not separate their stories. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? You know, for a long time, that was my position. And mm -hmm. I, I think that there are elements of it that still are. Um, I, of course, we did do Black History Month when I taught my kids when I we homeschooled, but we incorporated Black history into everything. So right. my issue was the fact that it was limited to a month and the shortest month out of the year at that. Yeah, yeah. We always uh, you know, I, 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 I had issues around that because I'm Black uh, every single day of the year. So, yeah. you know, and I, I'm also white every single day of the year. And yes. that's the other problem for someone like me is well what half of me do i have to hate now because you know i'm i'm told that i i, I can't love but when i was growing up in the 70s forgive me for a moment but i grew up in the gifted and talented program and they always were looking for funding because it was an experimental program back then so i always had to check a box about my ethnicity and mm. it was like well do i check the white box or do i check the black right. box Right. Um, so I started making my own box. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't fit in your box. I yeah. am me and I love the white part of me. I love the black part of me. And mm -hmm. that's what makes me, me. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to jump through your stupid hoops. I am who I am and I will celebrate who I am and my children celebrate who they are. And that is 365 days out of the year. So I do believe that it is all of our history and it should not be separated however if that was the only way that i could get it during that period of time i'll take it mm -hmm. and i think that that's where that came from is you know what if we can do it then let's do it rather than not do it at all mm -hmm. but we always incorporated it into our curriculum right. and and we still do we still talk about those things yeah i thought i like to think that it's not an either or situation that you you can celebrate all of American history, including the, the contribution made by African-Americans and also just focusing on black history. Um, you can do both. I think in academics, especially in history or literature, it's, it's very common to focus in on a certain subtext of the larger genre. You know, if you, if you want to study literature, for example, you might Yep. Not only study literature in the broad sense, you might want to study French literature or female literature or, or post-Civil post War literature. Um, yeah. And it's the same with history. You can study history. You can study world history and American history. You can also study African-American history or women's history or Shouldn't that be a no-brainer? Shouldn't that be a no-brainer? I don't understand... Like I said, I've had my own as a teacher, how I wanted to, to deal with things and stuff, but I never felt like nobody should be celebrating Black History Month. Like, I don't understand. As a Christian, you know, people are like, well, you know, you should, it should be like TJ Mo said, it should be throughout everything. But that doesn't mean, like you said, it's not either or. I'm a Christian, okay? Every day I'm celebrating Christ. I'm not waiting till December 25th, but on December 25th, I can also celebrate. You've got children. If you have children, 
Okay, you're celebrating them every day, but you're not going to say, well, we're not going to have your birthday because I love you every day. <laughs> can we right. can we walk and chew gum at the same time? Can we do both? And Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want you to listen to Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire. And <laughs> you're trotting everybody out. I just, you know, <laughs> and, listen, and I cut some folks out because of time, but I could really trot some stuff. But here's Michael Knowles, whom I listen to regularly. I gen- I don't agree with him on everything, but I generally enjoy him. But here's his take on uh, on Black History Month. It's Black History Month, and you know what that means. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything to anyone. Conservative Black people don't care about it because they're excluded from any recognition by the liberals who established and run the whole thing. Leftist black people don't care because to them every month should be Black History Month. Conservative white people don't care because we don't have any racial consciousness. And liberal white people don't care because they don't respect or have any actual interest in black people other than to instrumentalize them for their own political purposes. Where does he get that? Where where does he get that? I agree with the last point. (laughs) What'd you say, DK? I, I agree with his last point. I didn't I didn't agree with his other points. He starts off with, by saying Black History Month means absolutely nothing. What what are these people to him? To do? Right. To but him. What, to nobody. According <laughs> to him. So no, there's no. my question. What are they trying to do? Uh, supposedly they're voices who want a wide open tent, who want people of various backgrounds to see that conservatism will serve you well. This is not the GOP's messaging is horrible. Yes, it is. And not only that, his approach is disrespectful, I think. But, you know, we, we you and I have you alluded to this earlier. We've had this conversation that we cannot talk about racial issues for whatever reason, because it, it I did something about 12 years ago called Stuff White Conservatives Say. So very similar to your title, but it was about 12 years ago. And one of the things that we talked, I talked about was we cannot have these conversations because people are not ready to have these conversations because what they hear is you white person are responsible for my misery. You white person were there flogging me and doing all of these things back 400 years ago before I even existed. That's what it seems like people hear. Yeah. I'm not saying that. You're not saying that. I don't think DK is saying that. I don't think anybody is saying that. Well, there are some people who are saying, but there are people who are saying things that have gotten us to, in part, brought us to this point. And it's such, it triggers everybody now. Black, I saw a clip with Charlie Kirk talking about black people being pandered to, you know, and and stuff like that. And so people are just super sensitive. Now I want to play one more. This is, um, or another, this is Jason Buttrell, and he's with The Blaze, one of their top researchers, I guess. And he chimes in on Black History Month. This, this, is, this is not about honoring a group of at people. All. Yeah, this at is all. just about some kind of political indoctrination. Never been. And what's even worse is, I, I've told this story multiple times, but my kids didn't even know the difference between races when they were children. Yep. They didn't notice. They didn't care. No. The only time they realized it was when they got into schools and they realized they were being separated for some weird reason, like singled out. Like, I don't I all my black friends think that uh, uh, Black History Month is stupid. 
You know, like sounds like something a racist would say. You just want us to know you have black friends, Jason. It's so ridiculous. It's it's so ridiculous. We are going to continue. This is going to be continue to be an issue as long as we allow yep. this crap. Like, why do we have a different month for any any different race? We're all Americans. That's the only thing that should be. That's I, I will be labeled a racist for saying that, but that seems so obvious to me. I'm actually the one what that do you says, think no, happens when you have. Let's get rid of the labels. Let's yeah. get rid of the separation. You know who agreed altogether. with you? Martin Luther King Jr. He yeah. agreed with you. That's we, what he was fighting for. We are and now so far away from Martin Luther King Jr. And now you're like, I'm going to get called a racist for saying this. That's how far we've moved the Overton window on racism. I told you I took the side even before we started this today. This talk, thoughts? Again, I, I see nothing focusing in on black history. I mean, there's a, there's a rich history there to, to study. Um, it doesn't DK, make you- you're supposed to think it's stupid. Like the rest <laughs> of his black friends. Well, but here's man. the thing. Nobody's saying anything about the Holocaust. I mean, everybody, you know what I mean? People are generally pretty sympathetic, mm -hmm. um, especially with recent events where history seems to repeat repeating itself and that's the problem when you begin to for, pardon me for saying whitewash history but that's what happens we begin to forget some of the atrocities right and so nobody would say that about the holocaust but because slavery happened so long ago it's okay for us to be able to say some of those things but the contributions you know i saw this list of all the event inventions of black inventors and you know people like uh, Catherine johnson and hidden figures and all of this kind of stuff i mean all of these inventions that we take for granted the stoplight you know all of these yeah. kinds of things that were invented by black people mm -hmm. i just i think that it's that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, yes. and we are going so far to one extreme to be perceived as colorblind, but colorblindness is wrong. I want to celebrate your culture because your culture is what makes, it's one thread in the tapestry of this country. And that's why we see the beautiful picture on the front because all of our cultures mesh together. But if you turn that bad boy around, you're gonna see all kinds of threads and tangles and it's ugly and it's messy. And that's just as important as the front. Mm -hmm. And you know, children I think are paying the price. My white students as well as my black students were intrigued by this. Now I used to have to get on some, some cases because they, they still don't wanna do no homework, you know, but. <laughs> You know, and I, I really got and I really honestly got on black students in particular because black students were quick to call teacher so and so racist because teacher so and so didn't want to do black history and the social studies teacher. And then here you have it and you're behind still don't want to do it. You know, that's a different story. But in terms of really appreciating Black history and learning. You mentioned inventions. One year I did this bonus activity. I got the parents involved. I had a list of inventions by black people, which was like, you know, they were amazed, which is a problem too, because the fact that you're amazed tells me that you assumed that it was someone other than someone black. But that's, mm -hmm. and that's a reason why this is important. So the parents got involved. They voluntarily had to go, it was a week or two, I don't remember, 
without using or benefiting from these particular inventions. And the parents helped me grade because I obviously wasn't there. And they were really honest. It was such, and it, it was so amazing. And then to hear them come back and talk about how life would be so different and even the things that they learned, like some, they couldn't, you know, uh, the ironing board, you know, so they can't, yeah. you know, they can't use the iron. Mom made you use the table or you know, whatever it is. And, you know, stuff like that. It was so, no peanut butter. What do you mean? No peanut butter? Yes. You know? And so I think, I don't, I think we've reached the place sadly where like on YouTube comments, people are like, stop your whining. And I'm like, yeah. there's no whining. It's a conversation, you know? It's just, it's so sad that we're at this place where race is like, you can't talk about, we're all just American. I wonder though, DK and Marie, when it comes to Charlie Kirk, for example, how much is is his youth? He's only 30 years old. Yeah, seems like I, I think that's part of it. And I also, you know, the, there's the contrarian argument that I, I want to put out there because I'm not too sure I want everyone teaching black history because mm. some people, because of their issues, mm. don't get black history right and put a spin on it that should not be there. I don't know if I would want my kids learning black history from a person like a Charlie Kirk or a Matt Walsh or a do you know what I mean? Somebody who's got some animus around it, but has to teach it because there's a curriculum that says you have to. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm conflicted around some of that. Yeah. And I wanted to teach black history because I didn't want some of that taint in there because there are people who feel that way. And I don't, I mean, when when we were adopting our kids, two of our my youngest children are my, are adopted. Our oldest is ours biologically, and they lived in a pretty segregated state in the South. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was one of three black children in the whole school. Mm -hmm. And during Black History Month, she her foster mom wrote to me and said your girl is going nuts in school because, you know, every time she's like, well, what about me? What about somebody that looks like me? How come I can't, you know? So I sent her a care package of stickers, including Martin Luther King Jr., Charlie Kirk. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, you know, I sent her a sticker pack of all these African-Americans. I sent her all the different skin colors, every hue, um, you know, the hands and the people, the little gingerbread people. And I sent her markers and crayons of all the skin types, all of them, not just the black ones, all of them. Um, and, you know, it's important. Even to this day, I was a consultant for a book and it one of the main characters, one out of four was a black girl. And it took place in the 50s. And I had so many conversations about the author about hair. Mm -hmm. about hair in the 50s, what it would have looked like, what they would have done, all of that kind of stuff. Because I'll tell you, my daughter could not go when we first adopted her into the library and find a book with someone that looked like her on the cover. That's important that we have representation in history for our children's self-esteem to be able to see someone who looks like them, to hear that someone like a Katherine Johnson was smart and had these guys at NASA, you know? I mean, it's important for our children's 
self-esteem to and know that we're smart people. I don't think, DK, I don't think that people understand that. And I and I and it's not like you're trying to like like TJ said, TJ Mosin separating separating out. It's not like you're trying to do that, but we have we have to when my first year, my first day of teaching, I'll never forget. I I parked my car, the kids were already outside because the buses come early. And I walked into that building the first time I started, I taught in 1996 to a standing ovation. A student came to my class and he said, I'm not trying to be racist, but it's about time we had a black, you know, and I know there are people who say you shouldn't feel that way, but it matters that they can see someone. It matters. I, I think I've experienced this through teaching children in church and also in school. Ultimately, children need the best teachers and they need people who love them and they will gravitate to those who love them, white, black, or otherwise. But I have also heard students say things like, oh, I'm never going to win such and such award. You know, we're black. We're not going to get past all grades and, and, and never get a referral. So DK, how do you, what do you say to people who don't get it? Well, um, United States has always been a, a white dominant society. I don't say that as a pejorative, it's just a statement of fact. And I I think for a lot of people, they have very little experience with minorities, other, you know, people of color, and they don't always see our perspective, which is why it's great to be able to focus on the black history, at least occasionally. I also want to say one thing about uh conservative social media in general. In general, social media depends on clicks. You know, the more clicks you get, the easier it is to keep the lights on and, and so forth. And I, I do notice that the easiest way, or one of the easiest way for the typical conservative website to get clicks is, is to report a story with some sort of anti-Black angle to it. Um, I noticed that very strongly during the whole Trayvon Martin controversy when that debacle that made so many people on the right and the left look look terrible. Um, and there was a lot of websites who suddenly started, became crime websites. So instead of doing stories on economic policy or foreign policy and so forth, started to see a lot of stories about five teenagers in uh, Cleveland jumped jumped a white woman and that story would get thousands of clicks and I would see the comments and some of the comments were over the top racist. And these are from, mm. these from websites that I used to click on every day. I mean, these were legitimately good websites, but very strong conservative uh, pundits, but it, they became just so uh, popular that you started seeing these stories on every website daily. You know, we live in a white dominant society and and that's not a bad thing. That's just a statement of fact, but there has to be a, there's nothing wrong with carving out a little time to study Harry Tubman and uh, uh, Reconstruction and Frederick Douglass and the civil rights movements and the impact of Jim Crow and I go on and on. I, I, think it's, I think it's all a great thing. And I think they're missing the, the point and I, I think one of the reasons why they're missing the point is they don't want to offend a, a big chunk of their audience. You know, well, I'll say this, 
I, I, in case you didn't know, I'm a descendant of the family of Harriet Ross Tubman, by the way. Nice. Excellent. And so that, uh, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about, but, um, I do think though that, and I was going to talk about this, but we, we're out of time, but I wanted to, DEI has caused a, a lot of this, the affirmative action conversation has caused a lot of this. And there are people who
But, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the truth. You know, I, I, I served with um, Daryl Scott on Black Voices for Trump. I also served with Alveda King. I consider her a friend. I absolutely love her. And I think that her family has done a lot for this country. Okay. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Charlie Kirk might spend some time with Alveda. And well, people mentioned <laughs> people mentioned her and, and and again, we might disagree, but there were people who said um, he didn't even have enough. She's a staunch supporter of former President Trump. And she, yes. you know, and um, and he didn't think enough of her. This is what was said. He didn't think enough of her even to to not not to go have the respect. Yeah. You that's know, I, that's respect. Well, I Bottom saw line. her. Yeah. She just, you know, Bernice King was speaking after the death of her, her brother. brother. And um, and she mentioned that there were, you know, this was the first formal statement to the public out. You know, she mentioned that there were those who were speaking ill of the family and uh, Alveda King was sitting there and she said, Alveda King rolled her eyes and said, we're not going to say any names but the initials are CK. Mm -hmm. um, but of course there are those who would say Charlie Kirk doesn't owe anyone anything. He, you know, he wants to speak the truth, but um, DK, are you one of those racist people who feels like, you know, he might want to be wiser in what he says? No, I, I don't know Charlie Kirk that well. I've seen him interviewed a few times. Uh, he seems like a smart young man. Um, I don't, I haven't listened to his uh, podcast per se, but I have nothing against Charlie Kirk. I think what he's doing, he's doing for, for clicks. Um, I think, I think there's a large element of the conservative movement who, who really enjoy the pushback against um, what they call black pride or the black pride movement and black history month and MLK getting statues and a federal holiday and, and and so and so on um that's that's the people he's trying to appeal to with his argument um like i was saying before there's nothing wrong with uh showing a warts and all portrait of uh, martin luther king or or any other person in history it's just a matter of uh, of why you're doing it i think why you want to emphasize the negative aspects of a person's character when they've done so much good for the country I think that's a legitimate question. Yeah, and and rile people rile people up. It's 2024, and here we are. And I, you know what? I'm no hypocrite. I don't like it when people are trying to erase history and tear down statues, no. statues and all that. And uh, and I don't think I don't I don't like this either. And again, he has a right to say what he wants, but you're working against, I feel, what you say you want to advance. Thank you both so much. I don't want to leave without you having an opportunity to tell people where they can find all that you have going on. And there's a lot, I know. Well, you can find us at ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S, on Twitter, X, uh, Facebook, where ACONS official, I'm sorry, ACONS underscore official on Instagram. Um, I'm at Marie Strotter, S-T-R-O-U-G-H-T-E-R on X. 
Uh, I have a fan page on uh, Facebook, and I also have my own podcast, momo634.substack.com. And, and for me, I'm just basically uh, somebody you can find at Akon's uh, Twitter site and Facebook page, and, and of course, our Substack. So I try to write regularly. I'm writing again of, uh, soon about um, the the report on Biden's classified documents uh, debacle. If I can get that up soon, I hope everyone will give it a read. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Marie, so much. I appreciate your insight. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Hey, God bless you. God bless you. Well, I knew it was going to be deep. I really appreciate DK and Marie of ACONS, African-American conservatives. I appreciate their insight, their experiences. They shared the passion, uh, the way they shared it. And um, I know it's a deep subject. I know there are people who are riled up whenever you mention race. And it's so unnecessary. I, I'm not into the colorblind thing. I believe that we can celebrate one another. But we're at a time where everybody is just triggered. And just as people got triggered by the title of my last episode and just went off some without actually listening or watching and then having uh, to come back and say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Or one person who told me that um, that the mind the mind told them when they read the title that this is going to be vindictive. This is going to be, oh, they're racist. But what their mind first told them was just not right. And so this person said, but I thought that at first, but I watched and I actually appreciate your take. We got to do more of that and have these conversations. And so my desire was not to, to bash Charlie Kirk or Matt Walsh. I, I think what they have said and done those things speak for themselves. You decide. Again, my overall point is that if you say you want to, to have good messaging and you want to reach a variety of people, then you might have to consider why, what you're doing. And you might even want to consider also why you're doing what you're doing. You might disagree. That's okay. AdrianRossCom at gmail.com. If you want to tell me you agree or tell me you disagree, you can send an email. Also, of course, you can leave a comment right here on YouTube at the Adrian Ross Show if you're watching. And if you're listening at, uh, on my Substack, AdrianRoss.substack.com, you can leave a comment there. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack. And also one of the podcast platforms, subscribe, guys, wherever you can subscribe, wherever you can like, wherever you can leave a, a rating or review, would you go do that right now? We know that we can forget sometimes. So would you would you do that for me? I'd, I'd really appreciate that. And also remember to go to the BMG Network. That's the bmgnetwork.com and check out what's going on over there and the other podcasters there. And so thank you again for tuning in. I will catch you next time on The Adrian Ross Show. God bless you abundantly.